0: All right, everyone. Hello, and welcome to another episode of the SAFE podcast. This is your host, Kelsey, speaking. I am so thankful. For just the amount of fun that I have had so far recording this podcast and meeting the people that have listened to it, and it really has caused me to grow in my own faith as well. Um, as I've been doing more research and searching God's Word for His heart and what He has to say on some of these topics, has really encouraged me to go deeper in the Word and deeper in understanding the original text and deeper in prayer and reliance on the Holy Spirit for what it all means. Um, it's just been a great experience. So far, And I'm really thankful for you guys that are listening and that have jumped on social media or emailed me or all of those wonderful things. It's just so exciting to begin building this community and I'm excited to see what the Lord has in store for our little community next. Just to give you an update on what's happening here in our schedule for the next few weeks, my husband and I are going backpacking and we are chaperones um, on this backpacking trip. It's with some uh, older high school students. We are leaving um, here, uh, let's see, leaving on Saturday and getting back the Sunday after. Um, So that means that we will not and by we, I mean I, um, will not be posting a podcast on the 8th of July instead, or the week of the 8th, because as you guys know, I said I'd be posting on Monday, but it's been more like Tuesday lately. So I will not be posting the week of the 8th, but I plan to be back online the week of the 15th. And I have some great topics that have been suggested or people have asked me about that I really look forward to to talking with you guys about and getting online about. Of course, if you have anything you would ever like to hear about or something you'd like clarified, you have comments, you have questions, feel free to send me an email at thesavedpodcast at gmail.com or finding me on Instagram again at thesavedpodcast. So let's jump into this week's topic, Made in God's Image. What exactly does that mean and what does it even apply to? Is it even relevant? Well, as I was working on the outline for this podcast, I realized it is very relevant and it applies to a lot of things that we're dealing with in our culture today. And with that being said, I'm going to try to keep each topic as efficient as possible, meaning I would like to use my words in a way that um, it's not overwordy and I'm not overexplaining things, but also want to make sure I do the topic justice. So where are we starting? Made in God's image. We have really started at Genesis quite a few times with quite a few subjects at this podcast, and that's where we're starting today. Again, at the beginning, if you have a Bible, I encourage you to pull it out, either um, a hard copy, which I strongly encourage you to have and pour over and read and pray over, or if it's on your phone, that's great too. It's quite portable that way. Um, We're in Genesis chapter one, and specifically I'm going to read verses 26 through 28, The first 25 verses of the first chapter of Genesis are going into detail about how God created the whole world and everything in it. Everything from the stars, from the seas, to the land, to all of the creatures, all of the plant life, everything he has created. He himself created everything. He had a grand plan. There's no random chance that you're here today. There's no random chance that the universe just came to be. And one day we were little microbes that climbed out of the ocean as slime in our fully reasoning and thinking humans today. Again, God had a plan. God has a plan. And that's what has been discussed in the first 25 verses of Genesis. Then as we get to verses 26 through 28, we get a little bit more detail about how God created man and woman. Starting with verse 26, then God said, let us make mankind in our image. So, God has created man and woman, and he's given them some instructions. And not did he just randomly create them or randomly come up with them. It says in the text that God created mankind in his own image. That's a pretty hefty statement. I think, I know I've been guilty of just perusing over it and being like, oh yeah, I'm made in God's image. Cool. But I don't know if we necessarily know what that means. Of course, when Jesus came to the earth, he was in the form of man. But really... Is this verse just talking about physical characteristics or is it more so talking about the value of life, the value of the human life specifically, and tell us a little bit about our emotions and our ability to reason. So let's start first by talking about how, um, I guess really we're going to talk about being made in the image of God and how it impacts two different relationships. It does impact our relationship with ourselves, with our physical bodies, but more so it really kind of points to how we're to relate to others. So our relationships with ourselves and our relationships with other people. And I'm gonna kick us off by talking about our relationship with ourselves. Being made in God's image means that we are given our body and our health in the image of God. So our bodies are temples, of the Holy Spirit, this is something that's backed up by Scripture in First Corinthians chapter six, verses fifteen through twenty. The text says, "Do you not know that our bodies are members of Christ himself? Shall I then take the members of Christ and unite them with a prostitute? Never do you not know that he who unites himself with a prostitute is one with her body? For it is said the two will become one flesh, but whoever is united with the Lord is one with him in spirit." So here the Apostle Paul is talking to the Corinthians. Um, In context, he's talking to them about different um, sinful ways of living that the culture had really kind of shared with them at the time. And I think that's still relevant today here with the specific example of sexual immorality. But really, let's look at the reason he's pointing back to keeping themselves pure, why they should flee from sexual immorality. He doesn't say just do it because you need to be a good person. He says that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit. Who is in you, whom you have received from God? You're not your own. You were bought with a price. You're made in God's image. Therefore, honor God with your bodies. And of course, he led into that with the example of fleeing from sexual immorality. So, as we consider the implications of being made in God's image, let's talk about a little bit how that relates to our body, how that relates to this passage. Of course, making sure that we are nourishing our bodies well. They are temples of the Holy Spirit. Our physical body is valuable to God, and we need to take the time to nourish it well. Um, this is something that I hope gives you some biblical background. I think we all know your typical reasons why you need to get healthy, why you need to eat well, also why you need to exercise is so that you can be healthy and live a longer life. But also it's honoring to God to take care of the body you've been given, the body that's been made in Him in his image, making sure that you're nourishing it well, making sure that you are exercising, um, making sure to eat healthy foods to get the rest that you need, that you're resting well, um, and also that you're not engaging in those harmful behaviors, whether it be sex, um, whether it be um, excessive drinking or drugs, kind of any kind of substance abuse, things that harm our bodies. And you've heard me talk about this before. If you haven't, go and listen to my podcast about marriage advice with Adam and Eve. I'm not talking about all sex being bad. I'm talking about sex outside of the design of marriage that God has given for us, which is with one man and one woman, monogamy for the rest of their lives. That kind of sex is great and honoring to God, but the kind where we treat it poorly, where we treat it for our own glory, it becomes idolatrous and just statistically you're more likely to contract an STI or um, something that just harms your body in the long term. So, I'm going to leave that there on what are we doing well with our body when we aren't nourishing it well, when we are overindulging or um, maybe not giving our body the nutrients that it needs and depriving it. If we're not exercising well, either, again, too much or too little. If we're not taking that time to rest, um, if we're engaging in those other harmful behaviors, essentially we're kind of engaging in a type of idolatry. We're saying that we can be like God in that, let's say, we don't need to rest well. I can be everywhere at all times and I can do everything. I never need to rest. Unfortunately, that's a sign of an idolatrous heart. Um, whether we're overindulging with food or we're exercising not enough or too much, again, we're not unrely- relying on God. Um, we're not trusting the um, gifts that He's given us or um, taking good care of them, but instead we are saying we know what is best. Um, we're going to go against God's plan uh, and we are again like I said kind of committing idolatry and trusting ourselves more than God. So that's the first thing about being made in God's image. It impacts our own health. It impacts how we should view our own bodies as a temple of the Holy Spirit as something that's valuable being made in the image of God also impacts how we treat others and specifically I'd like to start by talking about race. This is something that has gained a lot of attention right now. Um according to our media America's a very racist place. Um I I just my heart breaks over that. If we are truly truly at a pre-civil civil rights era society like if racism is really that bad right now, that breaks my heart because everything in the text points to the fact that we are all equal and made in God's image. Yes, in the Old Testament, there was a group of people, a nation that was set aside as God's chosen people, but Jesus came so that we all might be a part of God's kingdom all of the nations, all of the peoples. This is backed up by what is seen in Revelation where it says that all nation, tribes, and tongues will come to know him. That is backed up in Colossians chapter 3 verse 11 where it says, here there is neither Gentile nor Jew, circumcised nor uncircumcised, barbarian, scathian, slave, or free, but Christ is in all and, Christ is, all and is in all. So a That is just so explicit that it doesn't matter where you came from. It doesn't matter what you look like. It doesn't matter what kind of culture you come from. doesn't matter what the history of your country is. God's people, God's people, God's kingdom is all of the kingdoms. We are all equal. We are all made in his image. Another group of people or another identifier, I think, is a better word to describe it, um, that maybe we lose sight of or something that I want to remind us of is that when we are made in God's image, it doesn't matter what our age is. Sometimes it happens. I know I'm, I'm young, so I am like guilty of this sometimes where it's easy, or I know it's also easy for our whole society to say, oh, people who are older, they don't know what they're talking about. Times have changed so much. I don't owe them much respect. I don't owe them much of my time enough of my paycheck is going into social security. I don't need to do anything else to care for the elderly. That is in direct contradiction of what is seen in the Old Testament in the Ten Commandments, talking about respecting um, our father and mother or our elders. Um, also, in the New Testament, in the life of Jesus himself, where he cares for the elderly, um, where the new church or the early church um, also was caring for the elderly, really, take a look at round and check your heart and make sure that you're really respecting people that have more life experience than you. And it doesn't need to be someone that's 95 or 100. I'm talking about people that are even five or 10 years older than you. People who have seen more life than you. People who are more mature than you. Do command our respect. They're also made in God's image and they're not any less valuable. Another group of people that possibly may be seen as less value is those that hold a disability status, whether they've been born with a disability or have been in some kind of accident or have some kind of disability, whether it be physical, emotional, or mental. I want to make sure that we're not just thinking of someone who's in a wheelchair. Um, We're also thinking of people that are struggling with depression. We're also thinking um, of people that maybe um, have autism People that it can be easy to look down on and say they might not be as valuable or they don't have the same kind of rights as everybody else. And again, that is in direct contradiction with scripture. Looking at the life of Jesus, he cared for the lame and for the sick, for those that were going through emotional struggles. Um, He came and he healed them. He associated with them and he ate with them. He didn't look down on them, but he said, you are the people that I have come to serve. You're the people that I've come to heal. And to a certain extent, we all, I don't even, that's not even right. Not even to a certain extent. We all need Jesus's healing work whether it be something that is visible to others or something that is not, we are all made in god 's image, no matter our disability status we 're all equally valuable. We all have the responsibility and accountability to honor God with what He has given us. Okay, now I am going to get into a topic that is a little bit um, difficult to deal with it 's definitely very emotionally charged, especially right now it 's really in the news um, and it's not something we can shy away from. It is something that the Bible and that God are very clear on. Let's talk about the end of and the beginning of life. What does it mean that we are made in God's image? What does it mean that the human life is valuable, especially as it concerns um, abortion and also end-of-life care? So, just starting on the topic of abortion, this isn't something that I want to get into and spend 45 minutes talking about um, because it is so difficult and it is so emotionally charged. I just want to let you know that if you're listening right now and it's something that you have ever um, had done personally or it's something that you support or it's something that you think should be a right or it's something that you're thinking about, I want you to know first and foremost that I love you and that I don't think you're a terrible person and I don't Hold that against you. Um, God also has love for his people, even when we make poor decisions that we might regret further on. And when we approach the topic of abortion, that's the thing we need to remember first and foremost, is we need to love both mom and baby. If we let's say sacrifice mom at the expense of baby, that's not right. If we sacrifice baby for the benefit of mom, that's not correct either. Either one of those polarizing opinions do not give God glory and honor, do not share His love on this earth. But instead, we need to keep in mind that we are called to love both mom and baby and give them the support that they need. So I'm just going to kind of touch on this um, briefly. The brief points that I have here. Again, I don't really want to spend this whole podcast talking about it because it's such a tough topic, but. First and foremost, we do need to agree that a fertilized egg, an embryo, a fetus, whatever it is called, is a baby and a person. This is seen explicitly in the scriptures as a verse you probably have seen a million times if you've ever done any research on this topic. Um, In Psalm 139 verse 13, um, where the psalmist is saying to God, you created my inmost being, you knit me together in my mother's womb. Also looking at Proverbs chapter 24 verses 11 and 12, um, we are called here in Proverbs chapter 24 um, to really speak up about this topic and say, rescue those that are being taken away to death. Hold back those that are stumbling to the slaughter. If you say, behold, we did not know this, does not he who weighs the heart perceive it? Does not he who keeps watch over your soul know it? And And will he not repay man according to his work? So these three tough verses, um, again, in Psalm 139, where it's very clear that um, God recognizes the value of a baby in the womb. Again, in Amos as well, talking about the um, more severe punishment for people that... um, Pray on pregnant women, and then also in Proverbs 24, talking about how everyone is called to stand up for injustice that's being done and when innocent people are being killed. Um, It goes to show that God does have something to say about abortion. So from womb to world, the only thing that changes about a baby is its size and its stage of development. Personal rights are not magically conferred upon a baby when they're a certain developmental point. Um, That's an argument that's made sometimes, um, is that a baby is only um, protected once it's viable or once it can breathe on its own. Um, Unfortunately, that's not logically consistent with people who are on life support, for example. Um, also, personal rights are not determined by if someone is, I'll say, wanted or not. Um, that can be a really challenging thing for people who feel like they're not in a, in a point of their life right now where they can have a baby and sustain that baby and care for that baby. Um, and that is a very, very scary, scary place to be. Um, however, it's a lie that you can't do it. It's a lie that it will derail your whole life. Um, it's a lie that you are inadequate and you just to do it. Need to get rid of the problem. That's not true at all. Um, moms out there, I want you to know right now that you have everything that you need. And if you don't, please lean on the community around you, um, to, to get to a place where, where you're safe and comfortable and, and, um, feel ready for this baby. So anyway, again, some of the common arguments for abortion are that, um, let's say it's a baby with a disability, that the baby's not going to have a good life or that, um, the baby is going to be a burden on their parents and unfortunately i think that sends a really hurtful message to people who are today alive and well living with disability Um, they're not any less valuable they're made in god's image they're just a little bit different than maybe you and i are also um, sometimes we talk about rape or incest um, or poverty status with rape and incest it's not fair to make that baby in the womb pay for the crime of the father. Um, that is something that I, I can just, my heart breaks imagining the anguish of carrying that child to term, but creating more or, or, um, experiencing a further evil is not going to undo the, the damage of the first evil. And then also again, with the poverty status, sometimes that said where, um, a baby is going to be born into poverty or into a poor home. Um, abortions justified. And that again is not logically consistent either because that's saying that people who are at a poverty status are less valuable to society. And that could not be more far from the truth. Again, we are all made in God's image. God cares about all of us. And therefore there is never a time where um, a baby should be taken from its mother's womb. Um, We're made in God's image. And that's, that's really where I, I want to leave that, is just the, the reminder that we are all made in God's image. Um, we are called to protect the most innocent life, um, and that innocent life is in the womb. If you yourself are in a crisis pregnancy, or you know someone who is, or maybe you just want to have resources on hand, um, I encourage you to write these resources down. Um, they most of them provide services to women who have gone through an abortion or women who are in a pregnancy and they don't know um, how to move forward. They don't know what to do. They feel lost. They don't. They don't have any options. Um, the resources are the National Office of Post Abortion Reconciliation and Healing, First Way Life Center, Project Rachel, and then also I always always want to share um, with women who have been through abortion um, the resource of the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline um, because unfortunately, statistically, women that uh, do have a abortion procedure are statistically more likely to engage in self-harm or um, to attempt suicide. So please, if at any time you have gone through this or anything else and your life feels hopeless and like it doesn't have a point, remember that God loves you. God has a purpose for your life. You are made in his image and there are people that love you and care and want to help you. So those are some of the resources that are available. Also, I mentioned that we'll touch on end-of-life care. Um, This is something I'm not totally um, well-versed in. I'm not a member of the medical community, and I haven't done extensive research on it. Um, But at end of life care, that's a very, very, very difficult stage. And I think we are called to use medicine um, to heal and also to help. I think God gave us those things, and with His prayer and discernment and wise counsel of other people, we can take advantage of those things. I just want to make sure that we're stressing that we are always treating life with dignity and also with value um, and remembering that. Um, God does call us to various trials and to various difficulties, um, and he also will provide everything that we need to get through those difficulties. So that's where I'm going to leave that topic as well. Okay, finally, so we've touched on quite a few things here, guys. Thanks for sticking with me. We've talked about how being made in God's image talks about our body image and health, how being made in God's image also talks about end of life and beginning of life. And now, finally, I'm going to talk about how being made in God's image relates to our emotions, our ability to reason, to use wisdom, um, and also to hate eat. Evil and injustice. So essentially, this is something that my eyes were just kind of open to um, when I was in college and having some deeper theological discussions for the first time. I always thought of being made in God's image, being like I, I look like God, but really, it's also talking about again our value, um, the value of human life, um, and the value um, of our bodies, but also um, in our emotions, in our joy, in our anger. And essentially what it comes down to is God has given us emotions. God has given us wisdom and the ability to reason for his glory and um, kind of in a a template of him. So really what we need to ask ourselves is God has joy and what joy, what gives him joy? And how are those things that we can look up to and model as well? Um, For example, God has great joy in his son. Um, He talks about this in Matthew 3:17, Mark 1:11, Luke 3:11, and Matthew 12:18, where God says, "This is my son with whom I am well pleased." So God finds great joy in His Son, and His Son is definitely something we should delight in as well. We were definitely given the emotional ability to experience joy and happiness, and should find our ultimate joy and happiness in our relationship with Christ. God also has joy in perfect creation. Uh, Again people, Genesis chapter one. (laughs) I don't know why it seems like my theological basis these last few weeks, but it really does. Um, and it's where it all started. So I guess you could make the argument that it is the grounds of my theology. But anyway, so God looked at creation after he created it. And he said, I hope you're saying it with me right now. It is is good. So God has great joy in His perfect creation, and of course, we experience today, um, we experience creation today in its fallen state. So it's nowhere near the perfection that it was in the Garden of Eden, or the perfection that will come after the second coming of Christ. Um, but being out in the woods, seeing the trees, seeing the forest, um, seeing God's creation and what He has given us the ability um, to build or to create, um, the the technology that He's given us, all a part of God's perfect creation um and it brings him joy. And then also finally God finds great joy in his people. Psalm 8 talks about how he cares for us even though we are n- like nothing in the universe. That verse talks about um look at the the stars in the heavens and what is it that we like people should mean anything to God. And that's a good point. I don't know if you ever ask yourself that, but I feel that way a lot of times when I'm up in an airplane and like looking down on the little cities and all of a sudden my problems seem so small and my little life seems so small, but God still cares about us. He still finds joy in us. Isaiah 62 talks about how God rejoices like a bridegroom for his bride. And I mean, Casey just got married, my husband to me, and I'm sure... He would tell you, at least that's what he's been telling me every day about how excited and how happy he is that we were married. And that's the same joy and delight that God finds in his people. Um, When they come to him, when they repent from their sin and leave it behind and come to him and so they can be in relationship with him, that just brings his Heart, so much joy. That is his plans for salvation. Um, That is something that he rejoices about. And we should rejoice too every time that we hear of someone coming to know him or coming in relationship with him or growing closer to him. Luke 15 talks about this about how the angels rejoice. Um, Yeah, we should be pumped, pumped people for getting into a relationship with God, a relationship with Jesus. Um, Those are the things that bring him great joy. And those are the things that we can delight in as well. Also, God does have righteous anger. Um sometimes we experience anger and a lot of times when I was growing up I didn't really know if that was I don't know, I'll say biblical. At the time, I would say I don't know if this is good or not because I didn't really understand the usage of the words good and bad and they were overused quite a bit and I didn't understand how they related to my walk with Christ. But um anyway, What I'm saying is that God does experience anger. He hates sin. Um, Proverbs 6, verses 16 through 19. There are six things that the Lord hates, seven that are an abomination to him. Haughty eyes, a lying tongue, and hands that shed innocent blood. A heart that devises wicked plans, feet that make haste to run evil, a false witness who breathes out lies, and one who sows discord among his brothers. So, Yes, God does specifically hate these seven evils, but kind of a... a bigger zoomed out thing. These are just examples of sin that God hates. God hates sin because it takes his people further away from him, even when he has bought them back from it. So God's heart breaks when we walk away from him, especially when we're in relationship with him and we turn to a sin that we think is better than our relationship with God, um, that we think God won't care about or God won't see. Whatever that sin is, whether it seems big or small, it breaks his heart. And it should grieve our hearts as well as we think about the fact that we are turning our backs on the very person who saved us so that we could have a relationship with him that breaks God's heart, it brings him anger. And it's fair to be angry at world situations where that kind of sin is happening. Um, It's fair to be angry at those kind of situations in your own life, Um, remembering that God has repentance and God has salvation for a reason. And there's a place for that and we can be bought back from that. But I don't think we can truly understand the goodness of God without understanding the um, absolute Brokenness that each and every one of us is living in, and unfortunately are consciously choosing sometimes, and finally, God being made in God's image means that we have wisdom and we have purpose proverbs two six for the Lord gives wisdom from his mouth come knowledge and understanding and in James chapter one verse five, if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God who gives generously to all without reproach, and it will be given to him. So let me turn to my ESV study Bible here. I have a um, note. If you aren't familiar with the ESV study Bible or um, you don't have one, I really encourage you to um, save up a little bit of money or I think there's like a discounted um, access to it online. It is just such a helpful resource um, in terms of looking at the text and reading what scholars have said about it. So going to James chapter 1 verse 5. Again, that was the verse where the author said, if any of you at lacks wisdom, ask God, and he will give it generously without reproach. So the study note here in James chapter 1, verse 5 says, James addresses the believer who lacks wisdom in handling trials. Wisdom, as in the Old Testament, is a God-given and God-centered discernment regarding the practical issues in life. Wisdom comes from prayer and from God's help. God gives generously and without reproach. He does not want anyone to hesitate to come to him. So being made in God's image means that he gives us wisdom. Of course, not the same level of wisdom that he himself has in his plan for salvation and creation of the world. But we do have wisdom, as that ESV study note said, in how to handle day-to-day manners in a way that would bring honor and glory to God. So because we traversed just such a far distance together, friends, I am going to review one more time about what it means that we're made in God's image. We are made in God's image, and that means that we need to see our physical bodies as valuable, and we need to take care of them, need to nourish them, exercise well, and rest well, and make sure that we're not engaging in idolatry um, and pushing our bodies too far and trying to be too much like God. Also, being made in God's image means that we need to treat others equally. We are all equal in God's eyes, No matter our race, our age, our disability status, our gender, none of those things are biblical. I can't push that enough. Also, meaning that we're made in God's image means that life has value, purpose, and dignity. (laughs) at the end and beginning of life. Um, At the beginning of life, looking at abortion and remembering that all life is valuable and precious in God's sight. It doesn't always look easy. It won't always be neat and pretty. It's sometimes messy. But God cares er, cares for babies in the womb. He cares for moms. And he wants to see us rally around one another and provide the support that we need to get through those crisis times. Also, at the end of life, we are still made in God's image and life still has dignity and is still valuable still needs to be respected, making sure that we take advantage of modern day medicine, but also making sure that we are treating life as valuable and precious. Finally, being made in God's image means that we have emotions, we have joy, um, like God has joy in his son in perfect creation and in his people. Um, We also sometimes have anger and we also have hurt. God has those same things as well. And the things that break his heart should break ours, whether it be evil and sin, whether it be people walking away from him, but keeping in mind also that we experience joy um, when we experience his forgiveness or when another person comes to know him. And finally, God does give us his wisdom to do his purpose and to give us discernment. That's a part of being made in God's image as well. Whew, thank you guys so much. I was really excited to talk about this topic, about what it means to be made in God's image. And if you have any comments or any thoughts, um, I really would hope to hear back from you. I hope that you feel like I approach each and every one of these topics with love um, and with concern and with the same um, heart that God tells us to have um, and the same value that he sees with us being made in God's image like i said i will miss you dearly next week um, but i'll make sure to take some great pictures while we're out in the wilderness of wyoming backpacking and uh, share those with you guys when we get back because like we just talked about it's biblical to take delight in god's creation so that's what i'll be out doing but once i get back from that trip i look forward to talking to you guys the week of the 15th of july so have a safe and happy independence day pray for our leaders and pray for our country and uh I look forward to talking to you guys soon. Also, please be praying for us as we're in the woods, as we're backpacking, that we are safe and that God is glorified. All right, guys, have a good week.